We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. Good morning, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the Pat Vellner interview. What'd you, what'd you think about that, Katie? Fern? Oh, I don't listen to your interviews. <laughs> Katie, what'd you think? I thought it was great. I thought it was very good. We received a lot of really good feedback on it too. People uh, seem to like, and uh, somebody messaged us. They, we got a new follow from someone and we always reach out to them when people follow us on Instagram and um, you know, thank you for the follow. And she said, well, uh, you guys interviewed Patrick Bellner. So that adds like, that makes you means you must have something good going on. So that adds to our credibility, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I probably, I think I look at it the other way. I'm like, I'm yeah, like we that's got to his to, credibility. Right. 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 Like, listen, <laughs> listen, listen, dude. I realize that you're a podium finisher. However, <laughs> We, welcome, we, t- we talk to each other on the internet and that's way more important. <laughs> we got a couple other games athletes coming on. Like that's not, you know, we get a lot of requests to interview those games athletes and that's not our lane. Like it's cool to talk about them. And when I, when we do have them, whether it's me or Fern or both of us, uh, you know, we don't want to hear about their games performance. We want to hear about their coaching and, and, you know, that's what I was trying to get from Pat. And, and the same thing for other athletes we've had on in the past. But we have Haley Adams and Emily Rolf coming on in the near future. And, again, it's going to be all about, you know, training at their affiliate. I You know, I purposely asked Pat about did he ever have the desire to get on seminar staff. But, you know, if they want to talk about the games, there's plenty of other podcasts out there. We try, you know, as, as – as it may not always appear that way, Fern and I do our best to practice what we preach. Does it not appear that way? I think mostly me. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. No, but we we encourage box owners to stay in their lane. We encourage coaches to stay in their lane, and you know, do what you do well. And if you that that was a big mistake I made, especially as a box owner in the past. It was like I wanted to do everything. And the most important thing you need to be doing is, you know, we talked about it. I don't know if Katie clipped it. I told her not to clip it, but you know, we're also a little too transparent at times. We just tell, we give away the secret sauce and we, we like to give people, you know, a peek behind the curtain as much as possible. Cause at the end of the day, we're just two dudes that found what we're good at in life. And Katie, like she's, you know, she's okay at this stuff too, but that's all it is. And we don't mind hiding that and, and making people very aware that like we've put in the time, we've put in the effort. We weren't born this way. We've developed not only as coaches, but as leaders, as box owners and et cetera. But I honestly have no idea where I was going with any of that. I, That's a um, level, that was a very level. Michael Scott-esque. Uh, sometimes I just start talking and don't know where I'm going with it, but I truly don't remember where I was going. I think the point I was trying to make is we practice what we preach. And as affiliate, as an affiliate owner in the past, I've owned three affiliates. I would try to do too much and it was stressful. And 
part of the reason I get questions all the time of like, why'd you sell your three affiliates? And I've talked about it numerous times. It's in the book, but I sold all three affiliates for different reasons. But one of the main reasons I wound up selling was just, they weren't fun to be running anymore. They were no longer fun for me. So in the past, maybe the first, you know, the first box, Albany CrossFit was kind of my big sale that people have spoken about and I was burned out. And I think if the offer came along two years prior, the same exact dollar offer, I would have been like, hell no, because I'm having so much fun. But at that point in time, I think it was around 2012, 2013, when I sold, I just wasn't having fun. And it was because I was no longer focused on what I should be focusing on. Uh, so you were on seminar, is this right before or after you got on seminar staff? This is right in that time frame. It was like almost uh, simultaneously. Yeah, I got on seminar staff. I think my official hire date is actually, I want to say like September of 2013. Um, and then I, I sold. Think I think it's right around, I think mine's like September, October, something like that. Because we were at the same new trainer summit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then I I think officially I sold now that I think about it in early 2014. But it was in the works. Like that had that had base those those wheels had were in motion at that point. They were they were getting there. So, you know, one of the main things that I've I've talked about, but that people weren't aware of is my lease was coming up, and box owners are gonna experience this, but my lease was coming up and the owner of the building who also was the person that wound up buying the business wasn't guaranteeing me that I was going to be able to resign a lease. So that's a, that's an interesting topic because the episode that comes out on Friday with Jeff Westmoreland and, uh, and Craig Howard from uh, CrossFit Diablo, uh, we talked a little bit about that and there's a lot of weird stuff coming up, at least in my personal opinion. None of this has yet to come to fruition, but it's something to keep in mind. So one of them is if, if your box is on, is on the fringes, right. And you're coming up and your lease is coming up. Um, the housing market is a little weird office space, I think is going to get crushed, uh, because people are working from home. However, flex space, which is where the vast majority of CrossFit gyms reside um, is likely going to go up for a lot of reasons. And I think there are some people that are going to get pushed out or they're because for a, for, for a number of reasons, there are companies that are sitting on stock and are just going to have these, these things uh, that they need storage for it. Um, a weird one in both, uh, not, I guess not weird, but it, I don't know if it's the same in Colorado, but I know for a fact in California and Virginia as cannabis, becomes legalized, people are buying up flex space like it's going out of style in order to house product, right? For a lot of weird reasons. So I, this is one of those things where, um, and I know this is kind of a, a little bit of a, a tangent, but it is something to think about, which is like, if, if you're coming up on a lease renewal and things are not going well, you might not even have an option you might just be forced to close down your business because you just can't afford the new rate, you know, to go from $7 because, but trust me, the landlord is like, you might have a good relationship with your landlord, but if he can get $13 a square foot versus your nine, they're taking it and you're and you're leaving. That's just the way it's going to work. Yeah. You know, that was what I was getting at. Like I sold partly because I was like, well, there's a chance I'm going to have to leave this space anyway, which 
who knows if I'm going to find a spot within a, you know, two to five mile radius, who knows if it's going to be as good. So here's this offer. I'm not going to resign. I may as well take it, you know, but, but again, you know, one of the, I get asked frequently about selling and, you know, I, I'm, I try to be positive and think that it was a good thing. And ultimately I'm very satisfied with it, but it is something where in retrospect, I'm like, huh, should, was it the right decision? And I think, you know, I started my affiliate in 2007 and, you know, being at the games a couple of weeks ago for, and we see a lot of people from that era, you know, call it like the 2007 to 2009 ish mm-hmm. era, like, like early adopters mm-hmm. right before the games skyrocketed. So you're still this underground thing. You're still doing it for the love of fitness because you want, you know, for a lot of us, like looking for a change in the fitness world. But now we're seeing so many of those boxes selling and super excited about it. And my attitude towards them, and I think you probably are similar, is like, why'd you sell? You had this thing that was making money. It can continue to make money. You can basically be hands-off or show up when you want to show up, not when you have to show up and, and pay yourself while letting someone else run the thing. And, you know, we can talk about why some box runners don't like that idea because they're like, it's my baby and I won't be able to do that. Well, making $5,000 a month for doing nothing sounds a lot cooler than being super concerned that it's your baby. Yeah. Just and so we can have a little bit of a nuanced conversation here. There are, there's multiple different scenarios in here with selling a box. So there's, there's the ideal, which is like, I sell it for a massive profit, meaning I put a certain amount into it and I sold for X what I put into it. Right. Just like, and that's probably more along the lines of, of your initial sell. We could both agree that those are in the very, very small minority. The second one is I sell for a pretty good margin, meaning like I sell for probably something that looks like, I don't know, let's call it 75 to 200 K. Right. That's, that's a, that's, you walk away and you're like, pretty, like, that's good. That gives me probably a two or three year buffer on income. Like, that's fantastic. Good for you. And I think that's probably where most boxes are falling. Like, I was an outlier. Like, I, I actually disagree. I think there's a handful that fall there. Right. And then some of them, and yeah, in, in that middle bucket. Right. And then there's the lower bucket, which I think the vast majority of them sell, at least like it, it from my, from the, tons and tons of people that I talked to that sold box, they don't fall there. Like when I hear somebody, I'm like, good for you. Like, great. That's, that's fantastic. Um, sometimes I do, do get a little peek underneath the hood of those. And I'm like, I'm like, good for you for selling. But the person that bought it, I don't think they got the best deal based on that. Right now, I think everybody else, right. So let's call those ah, 15% between those two right there you know, probably that might be high. I don't know, but the vast majority of them are selling for way less than that. And that's really not a sell. That's not a sell for profit. Like you basically trying to recoup your cost. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I, I got this car. It's a beater. Now I'm trying to just get what I can for it and get out of there. Um, and this is not a shot at anybody, but I, it does pose a question, which is like for that huge portion of people, my, my question is why is the best day of that gym owner's life, the day they sell their box, right? Meaning, and, and the reason it is the best day is because they've relieved themselves of a massive amount of stress, which is a problem because 
But this is also not to suggest that you shouldn't be super happy if you sell your, like you should be over the moon if you sell your box and you get a ton of money for it. Like that is a good thing. That's the whole premise behind built to sell. You should do that. Whether you decide to sell it or not, it's completely up to you and what you want for your life. I'm not here to tell you what that is, but that's not the majority. It's just not like, I'm just telling you it's not the vast majority of people are trying to relieve themselves of a massive amount of stress. And what I want it to be is just like, I don't want the best day of your life to be when you sell the gym. Even if you sell for massive profit, I think realistically, like if you love that thing, like it should be a little sentimental. You should be kind of upset about it, right? I'm not saying you should like not do it and like not take a million bucks if somebody's going to give it for you. You should definitely do that. But it shouldn't be like, I can't wait to get rid of this thing. Like that's, that's what I want to talk about. Whereas like why... And, and, and for some of these people, you're talking about like really good trainers, right? Like why is a really good trainer relieved to get rid of this thing that they love? Like that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, you and I have seen it numerous times, friends of ours that are selling their box. I mean, the handful we spoke to a couple of weeks ago and they're like, oh man, it was so great. I was so stressed. And I mean, it, it's twofold, right? Like you said, it's like, why are you so stressed? What's going on at your gym that it's no longer fun for you? Because you opened, you were incredibly excited for years. You had a great time. And then again, I go back to what I said earlier. I think a lot of it is you're not staying in your lane. If from day one, you're, you're like, I own an affiliate. I have six classes a week. I'm sorry, six classes a day. We coach the hell out of those classes. Like we have a party every couple months. We do this every so often, but then it becomes, and now we have this gymnastics program and a running program and all we're having a yoga person come. Like then it becomes too much. I'm going to send out a member feedback survey, like terrible idea. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's that right. It's if we need to have an episode on why you should not be sending out member surveys. Oh, um, we could just, we could do it right now. Don't do it. Don't, yeah. The okay. end. <laughs> episode with Katie. Snip that, episode. Snip that and send it out as episode uh, 500. But, you know, it, it's partly that. Like, you've just burdened yourself with a lot more. And and none of those things are the reason you opened to begin with. Um, and then uh, I think the other aspect of it is, you know, something's going on maybe in your community. Like, we've talked about it in the past. Like, one bad apple can lead to many bad apples or people are bitching and moaning. There's drama at the gym. If there's drama at the gym. Guess what? You've either created that drama or you're allowing that drama. So save the drama for your mama, as I have always said, but you make that up. That's your saying. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. It's one of my famous quotes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Got it. But, but those are typically the reasons they're like, man, I just want to be out of this thing. Yeah. It, and that's, and again, that's one of these things. It's like, it's sad. And, and again, it's like, I don't want it to be that way. This thing is too good. CrossFit has too much impact on people's lives. It has too much leverage and influence on the overall health and well-being of society in general, that it, it, it's, it's really perplexing that this is the case for the vast number of gym owners. They get into this thing, they can't make it work. And then they're like, I sold. And it's like, kind of like you didn't really. Right. And if you're, if you're kind of like trying to frame this up in your mind, I'm going to make this up so I don't, these numbers are not real. They might be real, but they're not any numbers I'm aware of. Let's just say that you 
let's say you sold your gym for 150K, right? And you had, I don't know, roughly $60,000 of, um, uh, of equipment in there ish, right? That's probably prior to having it um, depreciated. And then you made something along the, the lines of 60K a year. I'm just going to put this out there. If you sold that right there and you have no full time employees, it's just you, you got to steal. Like you came out way on top and whoever bought that did not get a great deal. And that's just the way it is. They bought a job that they just threw more expenses on top of. Right. So which is, I don't know what that loan would be like, let's call it five years, but like they immediately took a pay cut based on what you were take paying yourself in that business and the depreciated equipment, right? Like that's, that's just how the math works out. And I know people don't like, you know, math, but that's how the math works out. Um, so now if you sold for way over that, then good. Like, listen, I'm happy for you. I'm not saying you shouldn't build something and sell it. You should really be pushing towards that. Whether you choose to do it or not, again, that's up to you. But most people are actually losing money on the sale, right? So it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's, uh, this is always a funny one, right? So if you do a 30 year mortgage, do the math on this, right? Like I'm not saying, but like, if you have a 30 year mortgage and you have, you know, let's call it three to 4% interest on that and you pay it out and you bought it for 300 K and then you pay that out over 30 years and then you sell it for $350,000. People are like, I made $50,000. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Not, not even close because you probably paid close to $400,000 for that over the course of 30 years, right? Like you sold it for a higher number than you originally got the loan for, but you definitely didn't get more money than what you paid for it, right? Those are two different things. And I think nuance should be applied there. And it's the same thing for most people that sell gyms. And really what I'm trying to get to is like, I really want people to be more honest about this whole thing. It's just like that. We, we, we want to take this thing and flip it on its head, which is like the best day of a gym owner's life should not be when they sell the gym. It could be a great day of your life, but what I really want is I want a gym owner to be sitting in their gym, watching this machine churn, watching lives be in change, watching coaches smash it on the floor, watching things happening in there, people smiling, high-fiving, the vibe is good, just good shit happening. And I want them to sit down and look and be like, this is it. This is what I was hoping for. This is the fucking dream. That's what I want. I don't want it to be like, thank God somebody took this deal. That's not the way this should be panning out. This is too good of a thing. And you and and the mission is too important for the best day of your life to be when you got rid of it. And if, you know, going back to what you said, very few people are building their gym with the expectation of selling. Like, yes, any any business you're opening, you need to be looking at it from the perspective of, you know, can I sell this one day? What am I doing to to make it sellable? Because realistically most gyms aren't even sellable at the end. Like anything's big. Everybody's got a price, right? To quote the million dollar man. Well, you can but, sell anything. Right. But my point is if you have a gym and there's no contracts in place, really, what are you selling? You're most people that are selling their gym are essentially selling the equipment that they have because right at a depreciated value or not. If the person buying it is a dummy, a dummy, but I mean, you know, rogue equipment, lasts we can all agree with that like it might not depreciate terribly but really that's all you're selling because without contracts your members can leave the day the business sells like there's well keeping them there yeah you're definitely not purchasing revenue you purchased liabilities right so i, I bought it for this um, this much money 
And okay, well, I still, I'm on the hook for all of this rent with no guaranteed income coming in. Right. And it's not just about contracts, but if I have, if I'm purchasing something that is a proven legitimate cash flow positive asset, that cash flow is there, meaning like full time employees. Like I'm looking at three to five years of bank statements and tax returns, be like, listen, this thing cash flows, like there's money in the business, it pays the owners, there's full time employees, it operates. You would never buy a rental property that you had to go in there and maintenance every day. Like that would be the most ridiculous purchase in the history of mankind. But like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna buy this shitty house. And, and then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go in there and clean up after the renters every day. Like nobody would let you do that. That would be insane. Yeah, and I think you know, too many, too many box owners just get to the point where they're burned out. Like we've discussed, they're tired of it. And maybe they've got a coach, maybe someone comes along and they're like, Oh, would you sell it? And they're just like, yeah, I just want to be done with this. <laughs> Thanks for asking. I would absolutely do that. Yeah. And then they wind up getting way less than they should have because there's no systems and protocols and operating procedures in place. It's just like we've said, it's basically just like, here's a, you know, a hot mess. I'll take whatever you offer for it. And there's something obviously happens from the moment they find CrossFit and they're excited to open their affiliate and that day. And it, usually what that looks like is just a tremendous amount of stress working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. And of course they're looking to sell. They're just like, man, I don't want to do this thing anymore. Where if you were doing things correctly, properly, you, you would turn that offer down immediately. Yeah. And this is where obviously people do this because they're passionate about it. And again, we've talked about the passion as a shelf life and Passion without a plan is just passion. Like at some point it will subside and you'll just be left with this steaming pile of crap that you just no longer are passionate about. And what we want people to think about is you will have to grind it out, right? I I, I firmly believe that is non-negotiable. However, this is something that I've continued to work on is just like, it shouldn't be this grind forever, Right, and this is and this is probably this weird pitfall that that cro- like simply just doing CrossFit as an athlete, forget business owner, allows us to deal with. It's just like the grunt. It's like I get this shitty workout one rep at a time. We just keep going, right? And then somehow that becomes a badge of honors that I can just deal with pain for extended periods of time, which is okay, cool. But why are you doing that? Is the question. Simply because you can deal with a lot of pain doesn't mean that you should be, right? So. Let me, let me phrase this a little bit differently. A lot of CrossFit gym owners are doing okay. And when I say okay, I mean actually not great. And they're working really hard, right? And they're still quasi having a good time. How much better do you think it would be if it was easy? Like how much more success would you see? How much more fun would it be? How much more joy would you get in your life? How much more results would the people in your sphere get if you worked your ass off and then systematically made it easier over time instead of saying, well, it's just supposed to be hard forever. No, the problems change. The degree of the situation changes. You know, the, the, the number of variables and all that stuff changes. But at some point, if it never gets easy, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I mean, 
I look at you right now as like, man, Fern has set up his affiliate, CrossFit Rife, to be exactly what we're talking about. I'm talking about myself, by the way. Right? If you, again, if you were to ask me, like, hey, what are, you, what are the two, if you're like, what are the two gifts that you were given at birth? And I'm like, I like myself and long suffering, which can lend itself to, you know, being an idiot to be very upfront. Right? It's just like, hey, cool, I can grind this out forever. It doesn't even matter. Like, you can, you have the ability, you, you know, congratulations, young man, you have the ability to deal with shitty situations for extended periods of time. I'm like, thanks a lot. This sounds like a good gift. I'm like, not really. It just lends it to so you being a dummy for extended periods of time instead of just being like, well, I can deal with it. So it's fine. It's not fine. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have that ability to deal with pressure. You should have that ability, right? If you're going to be an entrepreneur, that kind of comes with the territory. My point is, if you're not sorting that out over time and, and doing some self-evaluation and be like, hey, cool, like I get that the absence of adversity means that you're not trying hard enough, but at some point, like things should get easier over time. And if I've never cresting over that hill, well, then I should probably reevaluate like either how I view things or what my plan is or the legitimacy of its efficacy. Like all of these things should be reevaluated and continue to be reevaluated over time and say, Hey, it's kind of like coaching or even fitness. You know, we've given multiple examples of this, which is like, listen, at some point, you're pretty fit. Like if you do this long enough, right. And just like the degree of pain that I am going to put myself in is solely predicated on how fast I want to drive the car. Right. But if you go out there and throw down a three and a half, four minute frame, it's not going to be that bad. And we could all agree that that's a pretty good time. And this is not be like, I'm so fit. The point is this, you work hard for a really long time. And at some point the adaptation happens and you, it does get easier right? Same thing for coaching. When you walk out on the floor for your level two and they're like, what do you see? And you're like, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Right. And you start just naming things in the level one manual. Like that is really hard. It takes a lot of mental effort, but at some point you put in the time, you put in the reps, you remember the progressions, you remember the points performance, you remember the faults, all of those things. And at some point it does get easier. And if I want to make it harder, then I dial up everything in the ecosystem, make it harder, more athletes, more complex movements, right? Compress the time, expand the time. And those are the things that make it harder, but simply walking out on the floor, be like, Hey, can you coach this complex movement? Yeah. Do you need time to prep? No, I, I did that already. Right. That's where we should be moving with our affiliates. Just like, do you have trouble doing all this? And I'm like, no, I did that shit already. And I sorted it out. Right. And it may take longer. It may take shorter times. It depends on the prep that you put in front of it. But that's what we should all be moving towards. It shouldn't be this never-ending headache that is just this burden on you when you never get to sleep at night. right? It should be fun. It should get easier. That's the point. And what I really want is I don't want the best day of a gym owner's life to be the day they sell the gym. I want it to be an amazing day. But if you've done this right, I firmly believe there should be a little bit of sadness there that you're like, man. I have a lot of fond memories about that. Like that was cool, but I'm going to move on. Yeah. It's not like breaking up with your crazy ex-girlfriend. We're like, Thank no, you. that's uh, what that is. That's what it is. You're like, oh man, really dodged a bullet on that one. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and let's be clear. It's not all sunshine and rainbows as you know, Rocky Balboa would say, Katie, where's my Rocky DVD? By the way, Told you. found the way, found the way. <laughs> um, 
it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like it, things can be going perfectly smooth. I'll give you, you know, Fern's not on his schedule, but you know, Cassidy can get sick. Lindsay can get sick. They can go on vacation. Like you're going to have moments where you're like, man, this is stressful again, but that's okay. More often than not, it, it should be fun and you should be able to control it. But it, there are far easier ways to earn an income than opening an affiliate. Like if, if you want that simplicity and you want minimal stress, just go get a nine to five somewhere, you know, become a barista, drive an Uber, go to Instacart. Like there's plenty of ways that you can be entrepreneurial without owning a brick and mortar business, like a CrossFit and, and be able to punch out at the end of the day. Like we want you to feel like you can punch out, but we also understand as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, we're the same way. Yes, we've created better rules for ourselves. We try not to burden one another tremendously on weekends. We respect evening times, but I think you and I for certain, but I'd love Katie right in there. Like we're always thinking about the business. We're always trying to figure out what's next, but it can't be so consuming that you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, there's a difference between thinking about the business and I and and being consumed with fear because it's not working, right? And the reason a gym owner's best day of their life would be selling the business would be because they got into this thing for personal fulfillment and it never happened. That's the reason, right? Because if you were getting personal fulfillment out of it, you would never want to get rid of that thing. Like that, at the end of the day, forget money, forget all that shit. Like that's what we're all looking for. Like something that gives me meaning and personal fulfillment. Like that's it, the end. Right? Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right? Like you, you need and, and should have and should be pursuing meaning in your life. And if you're selling it because this thing is just a trash heap, it's because it never gave back to you. Right. And whether you want to think of that as money or personal fulfillment or these other things, it doesn't matter. That's, that's a you thing. But that's why that would happen. That's why that you would be like, can't really, I can't, this was amazing. I'm glad I sold that thing. It's because it, you never got what you wanted out of it. Yeah. Or, you know, I would say you, you can get what you want out of it, but then that goes away. Right. And, and, and that's on you as well. Like I take full responsibility. Albany CrossFit for me was like that period of time from like 07 to probably 11 was my favorite period in life. And I partied my ass off in college. Like I had a great time in college, but man, th those four or five years when I first owned that affiliate, like, you know, when you were like, Hey, what period of time would you go back to? That's where I would go back to. It was such a blast. And then, yeah, you're like best job ever. Yeah. And then, you know, not only best job, but it was like making more money than I ever dreamed of in the fitness world. Like, mind you, I was going to leave the fitness world because I couldn't pay my bills and now I'm working a, you know, owning an affiliate that's paying me way more than six figures. It's covering all my expenses. I'm meeting awesome people. And then somewhere along the way that faded. And that's, you know, like I said earlier, there was more to it, but that was a big part. And I blame myself for not recognizing it. And, and also there's some scarcity involved there too. More businesses were opening, meaning more CrossFit affiliates. I had coaches that were leaving to open their affiliate and you can really let that rattle you. And, and now what I've learned over the years is that's good. It's not only okay, it's good for your business. You will grow further and you will get more members 
if everybody's happy, if all of the boxes in your five to 10 to 20 mile radius are successful. That just means CrossFit is prominent in your area. I mean, when we were in Virginia beach, we met the dude at the skydiving place goes to a different CrossFit, right? And yeah. Our skydiving instructor went to a different gym. Yeah. And, and the me, general manager was, you was formerly a member of mine. Yeah. But I didn't hear you go, Oh, you should check out CrossFit, right? It's better. Like you were like, that's great that you do CrossFit. Cause right. guess what? He's going to have a buddy that lives closer to Rife, or he's going to decide that or move, or he's going to want to go check out a new spot and cross and Rife is going to be there. Same, same holds true for anyone listening. Like if there's a box down the road, befriend them, find out what we can do as a, as a team to promote CrossFit in this area. And it's going to ultimately make you happier. I mean, it, it removes this idea of there's competition and supports this idea of like we're all in this together we're all in the same gang yeah the, the the idea of competition is predicated on the false assumption that there's not enough people to go around and that's just not the case it's just not there, in most cities there's more than enough let's say like even if you had like a really small population a really a really we'll call it 15 to twenty thousand people there's still enough there if you're doing it well and you're delivering results and you're giving people what they need, which is health and happiness, there's enough for two to three affiliates there. I promise you, oh, right? Yeah. There's a ton of variables in there that would lend itself to that, right? You just have to design what's appropriate for you. But if you live somewhere where there's 250,000, half a million to a million or more, there's plenty to go around. I promise you. Even we'll take a low number, like a hundred thousand people in your town. Like, you need a hundred of them. What's that? Is that even 1%? That's not even 1%. That's, I didn't go to math school. I don't that's think That's so. like 0.01% if, I, if I'm correct about that. You're probably um, not correct, but it's a low number. We can agree it's on that. It's low. That's the, that's the correct term. It's low. It's, and you're not competing with the box down the road that already has a hundred or they have 50. And I want those guys like, no, we've said this time and time again. Your job is to explain and educate everybody to why they need to be healthy and even more so to showcase the difference between you and the global gyms in town that are there's thousands of people going there if you right. can't if you can't educate those members as to hey here's why you should try cross i mean we i had a new girl in my class last night quite you know first time she's been there for a month i said oh what made you join crossfit She's like, well, I was a member at a global gym and I just wasn't going in. And it's like, yeah, a global gym appears to be cheaper at $19 a month, but it's not cheaper if you're not using it. I mean, if you go to a global gym once a month, you're paying $19 for that session. If you go to your CrossFit 16 times a month, you're probably paying like eight or $9 for that session. It's cheaper to go to CrossFit if you're using it. If you're using it and then, then the question becomes, well, what if they don't come? Well, well then your... you're not making it often. You're not making it awesome enough. Yeah. It, it, you know, this goes back to that clip that I was talking about earlier. Like, this is why it has to be the best hour of their day. And guess what? If it's, the, if it's truly the best hour of the day for most people that come into your gym, right? You're going to have people that have off days. You're going to have people that just are there to train. They're not in it for those reasons. That's fine. That, that doesn't mean we don't want them. That just means those the, they could be great people. But if 90% of the people that come into your gym every day 
leave happy, you're going to be really freaking happy too. I, and probably the reason I have an issue with that statement is because best is, is this is an absolute, right? Meaning like everything else falls underneath that. So, okay. Yeah. You do right. only speak in absolutes. You do only speak in absolutes, but let's have a little, again, nuance is a thing. I know not in today's society, but let's practice a little bit here, which is replace the best hour of their day with people really look forward to going there. Right. right? Like, cause I, w- I want you to think about this. How many people do you know have something every day that they do that they really look forward to? And I don't mean like playing Nintendo, right? Like that's wasting fucking time. Okay. But how many people do you know? They, they have something. Cause like, think about it. Like most CrossFit gyms are very much like meeting up with your friends in a social setting, like going to the bar. Now, Jay, I know you don't like social settings and gives you anxiety, but for normal people, they like to go out and they like to be with people. I don't know how you enjoy that so much. I'm an extrovert. We're complete opposites, bro. Yin and yang. I can't make the shape, but it kind of looks hey, like that. Right. Where you're not in, like, we'd be done. We went, we did an escape room into dinner and then Fern still wanted to go out after. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's why we would, I would have been friends with the college Jay, not this lame ass Jay now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, since you're apparently, a, since you're apparently a rager, which I don't even know what that means. But, but my point is that, like, think about it that way. Like, people should genuinely look forward to going. They should be like, because we, we can all agree, most people don't do jobs they enjoy. Like, the vast majority do not do things that they enjoy for a living. They do it because it pays the bills, which means like it leaves like a couple other things. And we could assume that like, there's a ton of people that aren't even fat, happy with their with their home life, either their their spouse or their kids or something like that. Like, just there's a lot of people just walking around in misery. So I don't think it is actually that far fetched to be like people should really look forward to coming into your gym because like. It's kind of an escape for them because exercising is an escape. It's good for mental health. Why would they not be looking forward to that? Like, that's the, that's the better question. You're like, it shouldn't be the best other day. Like, why wouldn't it be? Well, yes, I like going home to my kids. I also really look forward to training most days, right? I'm just like, I get to just not think about things for a little bit, right? I got a, a million different balls in the air, like all this kind of stuff. And be like, it would be nice to just like, have no thoughts whatsoever and just exercise. Cause I know I'm going to feel good afterwards, regardless of how much I loathe the idea of like doing this rigorous training session right now. Right. I've never trained. And like, that was a bad idea. Like, I'm always like, I'm glad I did it, even though I scaled it, whatever. So that is what we're talking about is like, people should be looking forward to it. If they look forward to it, they will go. If they don't look forward to it, then they're going to cancel hands down. It's your typical, like, people are arguing with what they want to interpret it as. Like, yeah, we hope you have something you look forward to more than right. But very few things. Look, I love my child. But, yeah, you know, it's getting there. Like, I see your smile. It gives you this sense of joy. Like, you feel good. I'm sure there's some sort of release in my brain of something. It's not the same release you get when you're done with a workout. The dopamine you know, and, and all of those good feelings, like the feeling of accomplishment, the feeling like I challenged myself, the feeling like I suffered and made it through. Like if you're doing it at an affiliate, not just in your garage, like the social aspect of it, like, yeah, I, we hope it's not the best hour of your day. The point is, I think you, you summed it up well. We hope it's the hour maybe you look the most forward to. Now let's go real meta here if you want. If it's as you as the affiliate owner, as a coach, if that's not, if that's not something you look forward to, 
I guarantee you those athletes don't look forward to it because you're going to bring negative energy to that. You're going to be Eeyore and you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be there to help people and it's going to suck. So of course it's not going to go well. Remember this, if you're an affiliate owner or coach, or even just a member, most people rarely have someone that's just genuinely asking them about their day. Like, how was your day today? Right? So you show up to a box, and especially like I coached yesterday, I hadn't seen the 12 or so people in my class in months because I, with travel and, and all, I just haven't been coaching. And I was like, oh, you know, Rachel, what have you been up to? Uh, you know, Jordan, what have you been doing? Tori, what's going on with you? And you can tell most people are like, huh, no one's asked me that. Like, no one's asked me how I feel. No one's asked me what's going on. No one's asked me, you know, family, occupation, recreation, dream, like we've discussed numerous times. Like, those are the things you need to do. So, yeah, cliche, hyperbole, absolute, whatever. Your goal should, how about this? Your goal should be that it is the best hour of their day, regardless of what other positive things they have in their life. Yeah, like what, 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 why? Otherwise stated, you should have a mediocre target to shoot at. Like you, you should shoot for mediocrity. Yeah, you. How does that sound for a business plan? That when your aunt asks you for a business plan, you'd be like, you know what, my plan is mediocrity. That's what I'm going to shoot for. I would like to do this on an average level. That's what she thought. That's what she thought I was doing, but. You know, it's it's really just get to know your people. You know, make make it your goal to make it the best hour of their day. And like you said, worst case, you're like, man, I had a really good time. And that's what I would always tell people. Like, I want you to leave here. Like, sometimes you leave that workout and you're like, that was so bad. And I just want them to be like, cool, come back tomorrow. I tell you what, when I go to jujitsu, like I've had two weeks off with travel and I haven't been back yet. And when I show up, as soon as I get into rolling, as soon as we get into drills, I'm like, man, I got to clear my schedule so I can be back here tomorrow. That's almost always what goes through my head. And is jujitsu the best hour of my day? No, like it's a really fun hour though. And that's what I want. I want that feeling for everybody. And, you know, I guess we're kind of on a tangent, but we're not. And if the point is, if you're doing that for your members, you're not going to want to stop this thing. You may want to back off at times. My favorite part of box ownership was when I was in your shoes, Fern, and I I was there probably, you know, about 11 to 5 or 6 every day. Like, I, I didn't rush in in the morning. Sometimes I would do my own training or go do other things, grab coffee with a client. And, and then I would hang out with the coaching staff. I would maybe take the noon, and I would be like the gym mayor for the 3, the 4, and the 5. I was leaving at an early enough time that, you know, my relationship wasn't being impacted. Like I didn't feel obligated to stay for the six, seven and eight. Maybe I would at times, but it was like, man, I'm just hanging out with my buddies. Like this was so much fun for me. Like it was literally just social hour all day long. Yeah. And that's what we should be shooting for. You, you should be shooting for that. The best day of your, of your gym owner life is today, not the day you sell it. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at Best Hour of Their Day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.
You've heard me talk about it before, and I'm truly not joking. I'm being 100% genuine. I love Doc Spartan products. I use it every day. I talk about the Sex Panther beard bomb. That's literally what is in my beard right now. And I use all of the scrubs. My favorite being the coffee scrub, just in the shower, gives you the tingles, gives you the feels. I love it. And there's so many other great products. I use their deodorant. I've used their hand care when I've had tears. Just check them out. It's veteran owned, you know, guy that was in the military serving our country, Dale. I got to know him over the years and he's just a great dude. And I started buying his products and he reached out to me and said, hey, we want to support the show and we appreciate it. And I just want you guys to not only support Doc Spartan and Dale, but also reap the benefits. If you want to be sexy like me, then you want to check out Doc Spartan products, 15% off with the code best hour. That's best hour for 15% off anything at their website, docspartan.com. Check out the coffee scrub and definitely check out the beard balm. And ladies, there's stuff for you too. So head on over to docspartan.com, use the code best hour and save 15%. You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. We'll pay.